Heads up, listeners. This episode does contain some scenes of gun violence and discussion of being drugged and forced birth and a lot of just general dehumanization of a whole class of society. So if that's going to be tough for you, skip ahead or skip this episode. Thanks. I decided that as part of learning more about humans, I would try to dress like one tonight. I hope it does not offend you. Smooth. You're getting good at this. Keep working on it. One of these days I might even be convinced that you're human. Bunch of butt-scratching, hand-wringing, penny-pinching, let's stick it to the new guy pinheads. All of them. Hello, and welcome to Who Are You? It's a Babylon 5 Watchcast, and we're a couple of former strangers, now friends, who are getting to know each other over the show Babylon 5. I am Laura. And I'm Shafir. And today, we're going to do something different. So back, I want to say it was episode one or two of this season, I got asked, what do I want? And I said, some Babylon 5 trading cards. Mm -hmm. And I eBayed some, and I bought a couple boxes, and I received those boxes, in turn, broke out a ton of those packs and mailed them to you, Laura. Yep. And we've opened about eight packs of pop right now. Mm-hmm. And we've got another one in front of us that we're going to open. What we're doing with these cards, we're going to play a kind of improv game with these cards where we sort them all into characters, plot twists, resolutions, and wild cards. And then we're going to take one from each of these piles and craft the A plot and B plot of an episode of Babylon 5, and then we're going to rate that episode on a scale of Babylon 1 to 5. As per tradition. (laughs) That's how we do things here. So let's each open up a pack, and uh, we'll sort the cards. If something doesn't really fit into one of those, we just kind of set it aside. Man, these are tough. Okay, I got a a couple cards in here to use. We're going to have to cut this out, but I'm going to use my teeth. (laughs) Well, while you're struggling to open your pack in a way that would upset your dentist, Um, as I was told many times when I was a child. I definitely chipped a tooth trying to get a zipper unstuck once, so yes. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. See, I got a couple cards here. I've got got the accident that disables the Cortez. Oh, yeah, that's pretty recent, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I've got a uh, shadow ship assault. I've got a character we haven't met yet in Mr. Adams. Yeah, you see anything fun in your pack? Well, I've got a lot of conflicty things. I didn't I don't have a single yeah. character. That is not terribly uncommon for the packs that I've opened already. Yeah, me too. Um I have a rising power. Mm-hmm. I have pulling strings. I've seen that one. Planetary defenses. Hour of the Wolf, which I remember is either a title of an episode. It sounds or like it's mentioned. a JMS episode right. title. Yeah. Uh and Rally the People. So I have a lot of things that can be both problems and solutions. I mean, that's what the wild card pile is for. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, shuffle up and draw one from each pile to kind of craft the episode. So you put in all these face downs. So we'll just kind of flip them up and then. All right. Our episode opens on Catherine Sakai coming to the station. Ooh, she's back. She's there because she was out exploring. And she noticed that some of the supply lines for the Narn have been cut. So she comes back to the station because she owes Jakar a favor. 
mm-hmm. uh, from saving her and wants to let him know. He's very grateful for this and directs her to a planet to scout that is outside of Narn space that he's encountered, offering her a trade windfall. But when she goes out there, there is a sneak attack and her status is left unknown. Oh, a cliffhanger. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So in the B-plot, Senator Voudreau calls up Captain Sheridan, and she is very concerned about some protests that are scheduled to take place on Babylon 5. That sounds like something that she would be concerned about. It does, doesn't it? It feels very on-brand. She's concerned that these protests may undermine the Earth Alliance authority in the area. Mm -hmm. And so that is resolved when Sheridan makes a swift strike against some of these protesters in an affirmation of power. All right. And then he's a little resentful about that, the orders and having to shut down some protests. And we see that he's having some political realignment. All right. Yeah, I feel like that is a, uh, if that had been a Sinclair episode instead of a Sheridan episode, (laughs) it would have gone very differently in that B plot. So that's a good way for them to show us the differences. Yeah. Instead of telling us. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Okay. So do you think it's a good episode of Babylon 5, though? I would watch the shit out of this episode, to be perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. Bringing Catherine Sakai back is fun and something that I don't believe happens. No, I I think um, you're right. Offhand. Yeah. But bringing her back and having her interact with Jakar is fun because of their previous interaction and the whole plot makes sense. And then to kind of like have something happen where her status is left up in the air again is fun because that's a thread that we may or may not go back to. Mm Uh, given her status as kind of a minor character, especially at this point, a very auxiliary character. Then, like we're talking about having an, something where we see Sheridan resolve the same conflict that Sinclair was posited, but resolving it in a very different way is a fun and interesting way to differentiate the characters. I really, really like this episode. I'm going to give it a four out of five. Yeah, I like in the B story that not only are we kind of having a, a comparison between the two commanding officers, but also... We have that moment that Sheridan can feel resentful at the end of the government that made him do something he didn't want to do. And, you know, there's kind of this rift that opens between Sheridan and his government later in the series. There's a little bit of spoilers. <laughs> so I think that that would be a nice way to start introducing that or reaffirm some of the, the rift that starts happening. Yeah. So I give it a four out of five as well. Cool. Well, this is fun. Hey, we can be writers for Babylon 5. All we need is these cards. Tweet us. (laughs) (laughs) Reboot. Reboot. Well, we've written a good episode of Babylon 5 here, obviously. But what we have to find out today is, did we watch a good episode of Babylon 5? Yeah, and we'll do that as we review Season 2, Episode 7, A Race Through Dark Places. So this episode opens on John and Susan discussing the station budget, which has had a 15% drop in revenue because of increased military traffic, Mm. which is preventing commercial traffic. And I thought that was a very interesting thing to just completely gloss over. 
Yeah, it sounds like we're having just a boring meeting, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's just like, what's all this increased, like, 15% increase in, like, well, it's more than a 50% increase in military traffic, mm-hmm. considering most of the traffic is commercial, and that's had a 15% decrease. Yeah. So it could be a doubling or tripling of military traffic to have this much of an impact. So basically, the military is creating this problem that they're having yep. for themselves, and then telling Ivanova and Sheridan, they have to solve it. Yeah, they got to pay the rent for their larger quarters. Yeah. The extra seven square feet. Yeah. And Sheridan is just not having this. And you can tell those bean counters that they can go to hell. He refuses. He forces Ivanova to refuse. Mm-hmm. And then goes on a rant about the principle of the thing. And I found myself asking, what would Sinclair do here? Well, that's a good question. Honestly, this is how I see this the B-plot of this episode playing out with Sinclair instead of Sheridan. Mm -hmm. And I wrote this on my first watch through of this episode, just kind of like ad hoc. So there's a couple points where it kind of gets close, but it still finishes very differently. Mm, Okay. So first thing he does is he calls Sinner Hidoshi to complain. Uh Oh yeah, of course. We get a whole, the B plot, instead of centering around no one getting, being able to sleep, it centers around some alien ambassadors needing to move Mm -hmm. their quarters around for whatever reason. And one of them makes a comment along the lines where he calls Sinclair Earth's ambassador, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And he's all like, oh, you know, I hadn't really, I guess I am. I, you know, I, I run the station, so I hadn't really thought about it, but I guess I am Earth's ambassador here. Uh-huh. And so he relocates himself and the newly promoted Ivanova to the ambassador wing in Green Sector because they are, in fact, Earth's ambassadors. <laughs> now, they could stay and that could just be the end of it. But I feel like Hidoshi calls back upset. Mm-hmm, of course. And he's like, you're so far from ops now. You can't, you can't effectively lead the station from the physical location. If there's an emergency, you might not be able to make it to CNC to, to do your job. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't be that far. Yeah. He's all like, so you're saying it's a danger to the station. Mm. And then he you somehow turns this statement into a legally binding statement that they have to be located in their older, larger quarters Mm -hmm. because of their proximity to the other things to be able to do their jobs. Hidoshi calls at the end of the episode on the the little button, and it's all like, you're going to have to have your quarters remodeled to get rid of the extra space to make another quarter at some point for someone else between the two of you. And he complies but notes that he's never going to manage to find the budget to have the renovations done. Uh That would be very Sinclair. Yeah. Right. I like it. It's (laughs) it's a lot more elegant than just... Complaining. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I thought it was funny. I, I couldn't stop laughing at this... Because the rent is too damn high, you know? We cut over to Mars. And hey, it's Bester. He's interrogating someone. He's back. Bester's back, baby. He is hunting in underground railroad for telepaths. He actually uses that term. Mm-hmm. And I'm all like, has that term lost its inherent connotation to slavery at this point in the future? Or is he acknowledging subconsciously even that uh, everyone in Psychor is a slave? Technically. Yeah. Mm. That's a solid question. <laughs> He's not... It's just kind of like, it's like that um, uh, Mitchell and Webb sketch with the skulls and they're, 
they're the Nazis. He's like, are, we've got sk- wait, we've got skulls on our hats. Are we the baddies? That's what I felt like in this moment. Yeah, he's really not grasping the irony here. No, no. Um, fun note about this scene, by the way, the other psychop with him. Mm-hmm. That is Judy Lovett. That is Walter Koenig's wife. Oh, fun. They have been married since 1965. Aw, that's adorable. They're adorable. I mean, he's just one of those people that kind of, you feel like he's probably adorable. Like, he's just probably a very sweet person. She's been an extra in, like, eight Star Trek things. Um, She comes back as an extra, as another psychop in Babylon 5 again later. Nice. Sharing another scene with him in Star Trek 6 was her biggest part, which is where she's one of the admirals at the big conference. Not the one at the end, but the one at the very beginning where they're all like, oh, the Klingons, we can't trust them. Mm-hmm. So nice. That bit. Aww, that's fun. So he, you know, tries to wrest the information from this man's mind, but he kills him in the yeah. process. But he's at least gotten enough to know that the clearinghouse of this underground railroad is on Babylon 5. Did you did you catch the hand motion? I did. I makes? was gonna point this out. I was like, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Mm, like I know he's like trying to like pull something from the air, and like that was the thing he was trying to do. Like as an acting choice, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like if maybe you clasp your fingers a little bit more instead of just the the fist shaking. Yeah. Um, it it was not a good look, Walter. Uh, are millennials um, the ones that ruined that though? Was that maybe not a thing in the nineties? Well, I don't I don't know. Never mind. <laughs> I was a kid in the nineties and I definitely had knew this was something. You know, like <laughs> uh, it is kind of anticlimactic though. Like we obviously know he's gonna say Babylon five, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if he just said somewhere else and Bester wasn't in this episode? That'd be hilarious. <laughs> I'm there for that. I would I love those choices. And they're like, we're uh, they're on Gresh 3, and then just the whole episode is just about something else on Babylon 5. <laughs> so we go to theme on that dramatic note. And then mm-hmm. when we come back from theme, we're in the jazz club. And Sheridan is still ranting, this time to Franklin, about the rent. Yeah, he goes on a whole libertarian rant here. He really knows how to, to deliver Franklin. one, too. Like, boy. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We know where Jerry Doyle learned it from. Uh <laughs> But that's not what I want to talk. I don't want to get on that on this scene. I want to talk about how Franklin requisitioned a cot for medical purposes for his room. Damn. Always knew I should have been a doctor. Like, motherfucker, we just talked about this last episode. Yeah, I I definitely highlighted this in my notes. I was like, well, okay. Because you're going to be taking patients back there, apparently, because we've already seen it happen. <laughs> oh, boy. But Sheridan doesn't uh, doesn't connect those dots, even though he was also there. Right. Oh, man. <sighs> Franklin. Exhausting. When they leave the jazz club, they're in the hallway, and they're approached by Which Joanne. has a name, by the way. Earhart's. We, we get the name. sign for the first time. Earhart's. Yeah, it's great. Maybe first and last time, because <laughs> it did not stick with me. Who knows? We'll find out. So then Delenn approaches Sheridan and asks him to help her understand what it is to be human. Yep, she wants to go on a dinner. I'm an adolescent stuck in a human's body, so I could not stop laughing at this. <laughs> yeah, it's very awkward. Mm-hmm. He's uh, very baffled, but he does not play it cool and jumps at the chance to go out the same evening. Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, we're going out. Mm-hmm. Bester arrives on the station and immediately tries to get everyone in a room. Yeah, but there's one person missing. Yep. 
Hmm. Mm -hmm. Wonder why. Yeah. Someone's really not in this episode whenever the telepaths are around a ton. Uh And I really appreciate it. (laughs) So he's looking for everyone's cooperation in tracking down and breaking up this underground railroad. This scene did not take the HD upgrade well, by the way. I don't know about if, if, if it might just... I had potato internet quality for a second, but it was real rough looking. Yeah. There's been times, you know, that it sticks out most to me. And I don't think it has anything to do with the HD upgrade. It's just like sometimes the audio is really bad and it doesn't match the scene. And that's not what happened at this moment. But that's the thing that gets me the most is like sometimes you're like, oh, this audio isn't, this doesn't belong here. Yeah. Well, I mean, this, this HD upgrade was done in like two weeks or something. It was not a like scene by scene recreation like we got with TNG. Mm-hmm. This was throw it through the filters and hope it all turns out. Yeah, so. we all know how that works. <laughs> Anyways, uh, he explains he's there to shut down the unregistered telepath travel. Sheridan asks the core to leave the room. And uh, Garibaldi isn't that interested, but he does acknowledge it is a security risk to have them on the station. Mm-hmm. And they agree to assist cautiously. Ivanova tells Sheridan to go watch the Bester episode from last season. Mm-hmm. As Bester and Talia walk, and Bester never answers a question he's fucking asked. <laughs> Did you scan them? Oh, that would be against regulations. Did you scan me? You would know if I scanned you. Not if it was a surface scan. Oh, let's change the topic. Uh-huh. Rude. I see through your shit, Bester. Answer the question. Yeah, he is at least giving us, the audience, some, like, you know, reminders about what telepaths can and can't do or should and shouldn't do. Uh, so yeah. he's he's saying like or she's telling us like hey i'm only a p5 i wouldn't know if you surface scan me like you're p12 yeah. you know so we kind of have that ranking system and stuff but it also fits so well with bester's character to not answer these questions yeah and this goes on until someone telepathically calls bester out on his bullshit <laughs> cut to a bunch of folks down below who confirm bester is there for them and now they've got to kill him yeah they just Leap straight to murder. Yep. We come back from commercial on fresh air, I believe. And everyone yes. is staring at Delenn, who is wearing a knockout dress with a very generous boob window. Oh, then you're in for a big shock. I want the scene of Lanier going around looking for a place for Delenn to go pick out a dress. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that she said that the woman that sold her the dress said she would turn heads. That's just fantastic. Yeah. Like, I don't miss retail in a lot of ways, but that was one of my favorite things about working retail is if you, like, find the perfect piece for somebody and they come out and they show it to you and you're like, yes, this is amazing. And Yeah, gas someone up. Yeah, it just felt really good. So I was like, oh, I remember those feels. But I don't yep, miss uh, awkward date feels. That's what I don't miss. Awkward, <laughs> awkward date feels are miserable. There's a little bit here. Sheridan tells her she's very attractive. And I actually... uh I, the HBO Max app updated, and now it doesn't tell me my timestamp when I pause the episode anymore. <sighs> no. It tells me how much time is left in the episode. Mm-hmm. I guess timestamps were useless to everyone who's not a podcaster, so <laughs> that's fine. But with 30, 31 left in the episode, the face she's making when she gets told she's very attractive is like the identical face I make when someone tells me I'm very attractive, where I'm just like, I kind of turn my head, my eyes get big, and I'm just like, kind of pucker in a little bit, like... <laughs> <laughs> we'll post me? that up in the discord <laughs> <laughs> the photo of Delenn, not the right of right <laughs> and then you can just superimpose that expression onto Jafar's face in your mind and enjoy it 
Oh, someone's going to stalk my Facebook real good and find something and make that happen. And I'm not happy about it. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Garibaldi goes to the officer's lounge on official business. Mm, this is uh, a which wonderful means he, has to buy, he has to buy everyone around. They ring the bell. Yep. This is so good. <laughs> this, is, this is what makes it feel lived in. This is a lived in right? show. Exactly. Uh, he thinks that Ivanova must be involved in this underground railroad. Well, she'd have to be, right? Right. Who else could do it? And, you know, with her past and, oh, wrong. Yep. Barking up the wrong tree. That would that would solve this problem too fast. He is so sure and he is so wrong. And I love that moment. <laughs> I thought about making a political joke there, but it's just too easy. <laughs> There's so many people who are so sure and so wrong. Meanwhile, uh, Sheridan and Delenn close out this restaurant and just, like, go home, assholes. The waitstaff has shit to do. I thought the same thing. I, you know, there you can see a server behind them in the scene, and he's, like, cleaning up the tables and resetting them and stuff. And I'm like, you just know yeah. that he's, like, cursing them. And he can't kick them out because what are you going to do? It's the station commander and the Mimbari ambassador. Like... Yeah, you can't kick them out, but what you can do is you can go fix the table behind them six times uh -huh. to remind them that you're there. Yep, that's exactly it. Buster calls Talia to initiate a flashback sequence and just be like, hey, I was an asshole, and I'm being an asshole about reminding you the time I was an asshole, and I'm mm -hmm. also being an asshole because I'm reminding you at midnight. Mm -hmm. She answers this in her bathrobe. Yeah, and so this triggers a flashback to season one with Jason Ironheart, uh, and then she uses magnets to throw her penny while remarking that Bester should see, would she, he should see this change in her. Mm -hmm. It's weird that he doesn't. Yeah, very see mysterious. See the giant collection of magnets that she's purchased since his last visit. <laughs> and all these pennies stuck in her wall. Okay, so Sheridan arrives back at his quarters after the date, but the, yeah. the locks are changed. Yeah, his landlord changed his locks. Rude. It's a good thing he didn't invite Delenn back for coffee. Yes, that would be so embarrassing. Right. You got something we can jimmy this thing with? Oh, I can't imagine. Sorry, <laughs> I'm being evicted on my own space station right now. Um, <laughs> how's Green Sector look? Yeah, uh, <laughs> let's go to your place. <laughs> if... And she'd be like, oh, Lanier actually lives with me. That would be weird. Uh, mm -hmm. uh... <laughs> let's see if there's anything we can rent real quick so Ivanova shows up and she uh mentions that yeah i've been locked out too i mm -hmm. tried to break it open i made a whole scene yeah she's like please just let me fucking sleep yeah and sinclair captain john sheridan was like i know just what to do and then we hard cut to a bunch of guns uh -huh. and the telepaths and it occurred to me that this might have been just the right time for that cut in the 90s. That might have been a cut for comedy mm -hmm. in the 90s. Uh, but in the present day, it is terrifying. Yeah. This Mary Had a Little Lamb thing, too, is very, very creepy. Gotta make the telepaths creepy. Yep. Some days they scare the hell out of me. So we get back to the captain's office. And Sheridan and yep. Ivanova are settling in for the night. Sheridan's cracking jokes. She's just like... Fucking stop and let me sleep. I don't care about your date, boss. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely the spouse, though. I had to apologize to my husband when I heard this scene. I was like, oh, I'm really sorry I do this to you. You know, your spouse, though, signed up for it. That's true. You're, That's true. If you, listener, if you are someone who does this and you do this to your partner and you've been with them for more than six months, 
it ain't their fault no more. You signed up for this. You knew what was going on. This didn't just start one day. You might have just noticed it one day, but it didn't just start one day, I promise. Uh, but to your employee. Yeah, that's a, that's a misuse oh, of power, everyone. 100% it is. I can't imagine forcing one of someone who reports to me at work to sit down and listen to me talk about this like again like you're stuck here mm -hmm. because i made you boss. be here <laughs> i made you be here and now i'm going to make you listen to me talk about my date rude so i was inspired by this joke and i have a joke for you yes how many centauri does it take to screw in six light bulbs <laughs> oh no one, he can do it with all his penises. <laughs> mm, I enjoyed that. <laughs> oh, Laura, we've got a ton of listeners now because our P1 aired on The Greatest Gen. Speaking of which, if you're a new listener because of that, uh, welcome to the podcast. I hope listening to that joke didn't just make you get into a car accident. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Bester at breakfast is like, man, conspiracy theories are just crazy. If Sheridan mentions Hunter Biden's laptop, you'd, you'd tell Psychor, right? Like, <laughs> not that there's anything behind Hunter Biden's laptop because it's totally just a conspiracy, but you'd, you'd tell Psychor, right? Like, you'd, you'd tell us, right? Like, something's going on, mm -hmm. you know what's going on? Like, you know, you do the thing where, like, you tell us when we're saying the thing because we want to know about the thing, but we don't care about the thing because the thing's not a thing. But if it was a thing, we'd want to know if it was a thing, you know? Just, just keep an eye on it. One of those. One of, yeah. Uh, then they try to kill him, and they kidnap Talia, and Bester just ices two of them. And we got cut to uh, the meeting room, and Bester's just like, oh, yeah, Talia was kidnapped, but, like, she's she's fine. Oh, yeah. And he just makes finding her Garibaldi's problem, and he's just, like, playing 3D chess with the command staff at this point. Like, it's not that he doesn't care about Talia. I mean, he might not really care that much about Talia getting killed, but it's just like, well, I could find her. Or I could make Garibaldi do it. Mm -hmm. The way Garibaldi loses his temper, too, I'm realizing that, remember the episode, I don't remember if it was last episode or not, because it's been a little bit in recording, but that mm -hmm. declared that there was a mutual attraction between Garibaldi and Talia. I'm realizing that that episode is not a mutual attraction. It is a Garibaldi attraction. Yeah. <laughs> because he goes a little overboard in how emotional he is about this. 100%. But we see that Talia's okay. She wakes up in the creepy telepath circle. Um, mm -hmm. The rogue leader. Yeah, they're like, we don't want to hurt you. We just want you to understand. Yeah. Rogue leader is here. He doesn't want to hurt her. I looked this guy up because we've seen him before. He was in a previous yes. episode. He was in Grail? Yeah. I don't, I don't remember a, which one it was. He was in another episode with with uh, the Down Below yes. folks. Yes. He's been in Down Below before. So he's obviously... Oh, he was in the conspiracy one. He was one of the guys that Garibaldi went to talk to. That's it. With the, with the lurker who got killed. Yeah, yeah. He was in the season finale. And they just call him Lurker in the credits. I don't know if you noticed that, but he doesn't have a name. I did not. Yeah. So he's just Lurker. But I was curious about this actor and... Mm -hmm. I discovered that he's very hard to find anything about besides his basic, like, you know, paragraph bio. Yeah. And he does have a mm -hmm. website, but I went to it, and it's all in Swedish. Maybe. Cool. Or maybe it was German, but he, he is a Swedish person. So he's like, okay. But he speaks a lot of languages. Oh, good for him. So that's how he wound up on Polygot. Polygot. That's a 
it's a difficult skill to master. Yeah, for sure. Because I thought his speech sounded a little different. So he is yeah, Swedish. I, I, I assumed it was an acting choice, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. I want to know more. If if I was, you know, getting to pick my favorite things in reboots, I want this to be more than a one-episode character. Or, you know, I guess he's a two-episode character, but he was kind of a, you know, off off in the wings, really, in that first episode. Well, he's not allowed to come back. Spoilers for the ending of the episode that you're listening to. Yeah, yeah. But I would have loved to see this plot stretched over maybe two or three episodes instead of one. Yeah, so they're in the telepath circle. They tell her she doesn't understand the core, and they're going to line up and trauma dump all of their stories on her. Yep. Franklin rolls into the episode and tells Sheridan that the railroad leader wants a meeting with just the captain. He's all like, well, how would you know that's what they want? And and you trust this person? He's all like, oh, yeah, I trust him as much as I trust myself. Well, that's a lot. Can you tell me why? No. <laughs> Definitely not a hostage situation, yeah. Tully hears the stories of the other telepaths on the run and is reminded of the symbols that she wears of them, the emblem and the gloves. That's important for a couple of points of this episode. Yeah, so we find out from these stories that, and and from Tully's story in a couple of previous episodes, that, you know, they're taken as children away from their families. And I don't know, it just reminded me, especially because they have an indigenous man tell his story uh, Mm -hmm. that, you know, there's been lots of times in history that groups of children are taken from their parents for external reasons. You know, this is not like the situation of child abuse in the home. This is, you know, external reasons imposed on the family. And it sure leaves a lot of broken people in its wake. Sure does. That systemic practice is very bad. Yeah. We hear tales of rape and baby theft and murder, mm-hmm. all in the name of the core. The leader was another test subject like Ironheart. They were friends. They escaped together. And while this is going on, uh, Garibaldi figures out where those two dead telepaths were from, begrudgingly lets Bester know, and then gets them to agree to sweep the area together in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So Bester goes down immediately by himself. Right. As Bester will always do. <laughs> Now, we haven't seen Garibaldi brought into the circle of no at this point. You know, he's he's not aware of things. He does not know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So this feels like a complete accident that Bester shows up when he does. And I, I kind of believe that it is just a coincidence due to the reaction of the telepaths when Bester arrives. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have been knowing yeah, okay. he would come eventually, but I don't think they were expecting him at this moment. Right, right. Franklin pulls the big reveal uh, that he's the leader of the railroad at B5. Talia comes out siding with them. Buster shows up on his own and starts looking for them while Sheridan gets filled in. Bester identifies where they are, pulls out his PPG and goes in, and the telepaths are all waiting for them. They join hands, and we see this gunfight where Bester and Talia straight up equilibrium the whole room. Yeah, Talia does a turncoat. Yeah, it's all like, uh, someone's stopping us from making this effective. It was you, Talia, and uh, you're betraying us, who we never really trusted you because you're Psychor. And the two of them just shoot the whole room of them dead. And then we find out that they're just fucking with Bester's brain. Yeah, this scene, I remember being shocked by it when I was a kid. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't see the, the twist coming 
And when when she turns and starts shooting them, my husband goes, what the hell? Especially it makes even less sense because, like, she takes off her gloves. Like, there's not a gun there or anything, you know, and then all of a sudden she's shooting people. Where does she keep a sidearm in that very tailored suit? But you're unarmed. You're naked. But that's a compact laser deluxe. Where were you hiding that? You really don't want to know. I do not know. All good questions. So Sheridan's like, what the hell? And they explain yeah. that. Bester walked in, stared, turned around and left. Which I think is just amazing. I love thinking about it from <laughs> Sheridan's point of view. Like, what did we just see? Yeah. So, yeah, they were able to project the image of the gunfight or the experience of the gunfight into Bester's mind. And now he thinks they're all dead and they can leave the station and shut down what's left of the Underground Railroad here and move on. Yep. Sheridan offers an ultimatum to the telepaths that they have to clear out. No more telepaths and down below. Ultimatum. And it's something we wish season five had gotten the memo on. <laughs> See, I don't remember all this telepath stuff in season five. I'm looking forward to oh, it. Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in a sort of a mystery science theater sort of way. That's fair. We get a bit with Talia able to keep, you know, it's just like she thinks she's going to be able to keep Bester out. Ivanova and Sheridan move the budget around to pay their own rent using the military budget, which mm -hmm. honestly makes sense to me. Yeah, it's a very Sinclair solution in the end, but not, not nearly as fun to arrive at. Yeah. Bester leaves. Talia shows up at Ivanova's quarters with a bottle of wine. Go ahead and start playing Careless Whisper in the background here. <laughs> they talk. You know, Talia's like, I need a friend and I need to talk and you're the only person I can think of. And she takes off her badge and gloves. Mm -hmm. And we get this shot of the two of them sitting down for wine with the badge right in between them. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so good. What's foreshadowing? And that's yeah. what the episode closes on. It's almost like Sycor is the thing between Talia and her friends. Uh, well, and her more than friends. Mm -hmm. Where this is going. Wink, wink. I can't wink. I don't... Spo spoilers. <laughs> Laura, what did you think of this episode? I like this episode, except for the Franklin stuff. It's, yeah? it's like we get him for half a second in the beginning. You know, we get him for like 30 seconds. Enough to remind you he's a character that he and exists. will be appearing in this episode. Yep. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's here. I guess I kind of like the idea that, you know, that clinic that he had in Down Below had a different purpose. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, Ivanova even went to confront him about the clinic in Down Below in the first season. And helped out. Yeah. And she helped out and turns Without even knowing. Yep. Turns out it was also doing other things. Like, I'm assuming that, yes, there were people that needed medical attention and they got medical attention. Like, more than likely. They didn't get turned away. But I don't know. I just wish that, I don't know, the reveal didn't feel as fun to me as some of the reveals that the show does. I liked this episode. Yeah. I loved, I, I loved the reveal. Um, It feels very on brand for Franklin. Yeah. I like all the bit with Psychor in this episode. Um, I like mm -hmm. the twist ending. With the fake gunfight. I do like the creepy telepaths. It's weird, but I do. They're they're a lot more enjoyable now than they will be later. Yeah, I mean, you, you really feel that these are a diverse group of people who's gone through some hellish trauma. And yes. they they are people that you really do feel sorry for. A hundred percent. And I I like this. It's such a mysterious and murky plot. And I've been thinking about it because I know everything that happens with Talia, at least. 
but yeah. I, I still don't understand it all. So I'm hoping that I'll get some clarity in these next few episodes because by the end of this season, Talia is going to be wrapped up. So, yeah. But yeah, it's all very muddy and murky for me right now. But I don't, you know, it's nice to have a story that has to unravel and you have to puzzle through it a little bit. I like that. So, yeah. What do you give it out of Babylon's one to five? It's a solid three five for me. It's not quite a four. Yeah, it's I don't not quite really a know four. Why. It just it, it's it's a it's a good episode and I really liked it. It just compare it's not a great episode, you mm-hmm. know. It doesn't hold up compared to some of the like truly great episodes where I'd look at the fours and fives. Maybe it's a four. I don't know, maybe it's a four. You know, fuck it. I convinced myself. It's a four. I really liked this episode. Well, you know, I'm also like a Sheridan and Delenn shipper. Like I love them. I'm and yeah, I I stand it. They're, they're just your <laughs> OTP. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So I mean that that is a strong point for me. I'd say I'm not convinced into four territory, but I will leave this at a solid three point five for myself. Solid. Yeah. After this, we've got season two, episode eight, Soulmates. Yeah. Lando divorces two of his three wives. Talia's ex-husband comes aboard Babylon 5 under false pretenses. Yeah, boo to that, but Londo divorcing two of his three wives is super fun. I I remember this episode, but I haven't watched this episode in a while. So mm-hmm. I I'm we'll see. I'm withholding. I'm not super excited because I could see how easily this would be a very problematic episode. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if it is or not. So I'm just going to not say too much and just watch it and say shit next week. (laughs) I think we can have fun with it. The thing we do every time. Okay, good. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you to Jeremy Siegel for our intro music. You can find him at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com if you want to hear more of his work. Thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine for our lovely podcast art. Thank you to Adam and Ben for pronouncing my name right. Just throwing that out there. That doesn't happen very often. I left a very good note. It was it was very I appreciate instructive. It. Thank you. Uh, and thank you to you, the listener, for being here with us. If you want to talk to us, you can reach us at whoareub5 at gmail.com. Or we have a Discord. Yeah, hop on that Discord. The Discord's fun. I posted a video of me opening four of the packs for today's bit a couple days ago. And Laura, I know you've got one or two of those you're mm-hmm. going to do as well. So... We'll keep that up. We'll, I don't know, maybe some bonus stuff. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Discord's fun. Jump on there. Yeah. If you need the link, you can get it on the email or you can check our Facebook page. Yep. We'll see you next week, Internet. All right. Bye. Bye.